Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Rugby Report Card, fresh after uh, an epic weekend of one game of rugby being the, the World Cup final. But the big news, obviously, being, obviously, um, Eddie Jones uh, resigning, uh, which is surprising that he resigned, but more surprising is Blake is not with us today, which is strange because I thought his boycott was all about waiting for him to resign, and he now has. So have you got mail on him, Jim, at all? What he's doing? That's funny. Look, of all the big news that's cracked, um, in the last weeks, it's ranked in this order. Number one, South Africa winning the World Cup. How good. Absolutely. I Two, think they picked it, by the way, just for the record. Adi Save, our World Rugby Player of the Year. Yeah. Three, Blake's absence on the podcast today. It's just, it is, it is top four, news, mate. Four, England coming third in the World Cup. Yeah, it's outstanding. Just congratulations. Five, Five. Um, me picking up the dog turd on the walk this afternoon. I never do that. I did it today. That's big news. And then six, Eddie Jones. Well, hang on, hang on. Eddie Jones resigning, coming in a, a late, late six. And that's only because I couldn't think of another. Just could I just, just just take a moment? You don't normally pick up the shield. What's nah, wrong fuck. with you, man? Nah, fuck off, man. You know what I mean? Come on. No, man. You definitely that's outrageous. Who? I just don't. Feel <laughs> I like know you should, but. When it's warm and you're touching it, it's it's too gross, man. I can't do it. I'm not in. Can I I should be? Hey, I know I'm the bad person here, and fuck, maybe they'll shoot me down on Twitter, and I deserve it. But Jesus, when no one's looking, man, I look up the street, I look down the street, and I push on. Do you know? Do you know what? I I feel that's got to rank higher than fifth, mate. That's just crazy. That's that's the water. That's the biggest news of the week for me. You reckon Eddie picks up the shit? Do you know what? He's a we we know he's a pretty bad human, allegedly. So I'm not surprised. I, I thought better of you, Jim. I, I thought you're a better You know human. who definitely does pick up the shit, Artie Sarveyor. Of course he does, mate. And some he picks up other dog shit while he's mate, down there. Mate, he looks around for the shit and goes, mate, I'll do it for those wankers that don't pick up. I got you, shit. bud. Yeah, I got, I got you. you, mate. Um Look, let's just talk about Artie Sarve. Just he is what a majestic rugby player and just what seems like an overall human, even though we're talking about dog shit, pick it up. Just so happy the fact that of, of, of what he's achieved, isn't he? Is he the is he the poster boy of the game now, do you reckon? It seems to be. Uh the things that stand out to me is just how you look at it, Kieran Reed, poster boy, Richie mm. McCall, poster boy. Sam Kane, in some regard, post well, like when one falls, another one just steps up. Mm. Like when Artie retires, there'll be another excellent human being coming out of New Zealand who happens to play in the loose forwards mm. to be the greatest player in the world for a significant number of years. Like they're mm. just not short of great humans and not to take away from who and what Artie is and achieved. Um, but mate, they are spoiled, aren't mm. they? Oh, absolutely. And look, you know what, there's well, there were so many um, players who could have been picked this year. You know, obviously, uh, Antoine Dupont, who won the award a couple of years ago, you know, whether it was Bundiaki was out for it, Adam Etzebet was out for it. Um, and we always talked about who was it. And a lot of people talked about Dupont, but really the cream has risen. You know, he has been outstanding. The tougher the games have got, uh, but he has risen to the to the top. And to be... Uh, the eleventh All Black to win it is um, is amazing. So congratulations, and for what him, um, he is completely. Um, and it'd be exciting to see what the next chapter in his life, obviously, looks like. 
because you say he can only go from from strength to strength, really. But while we're talking about these rugby awards, uh, PM, what, mate, he's heading to PM. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Andy Farrell winning Coach of the Year? Oh, look, I don't think it's displaced at all. The most consistent team across mm. the year, you could arguably say, mm. winning all of that, <clears throat> all of those games in a row, and and doing it with with a squad like that, which is a good squad, but by no means the most dynamic walking around. Mm. Um, look, Ireland was on the brink. I know he's not responsible for all of it, but he definitely coached them through their through their most successful years. So I think it's well placed. Who else? Who else put their hand up? You can't no, give I, it to the Bocky coach because it's Rassy. Yeah. <laughs> look, I, look, I would say absolutely. I think he was deserving of it. Unfortunately, we are prisoners at the moment. I remember the fact that he's lost at a quarterfinal against a Kiwi team, but uh, it shouldn't deter, deter from the fact that uh, he has continued building on, obviously, the, the Irish over the last few years, and he is clearly the coach of the year, uh, what he's done for that squad. So uh, kudos to him and, and obviously, uh, Mark Talella uh, for the um, uh, World Rugby, the breakthrough player, fantastic um, for him as well, and and, uh, and a few of the other awards. So, yeah, it was um, um, good to see those those awards come out. But Absolutely. And don't forget, Ireland are the only team that beat South Africa this year. Yeah. Wait, yeah. New Zealand might have done it earlier on in the year, eh? No, uh, but we're... In we're this World Cup. In this World Cup, yeah. In this World Cup. Uh, let's just think about that. But and talking about World Cup, where'd you sit, mate? Where'd you sit in the uh, discussion about uh, the final was a enthralling uh, game that was for the purest, that was um, you couldn't take your eyes off it, or were you in the camp, which I think Blake might be in, but I don't want to put words in his mouth that it was uh, it was ruined by the handicap nature of it, and as a result, it was a disappointing end to the game. Where, where, where'd you sit in it? You hate, you hate to see it come down to the red and yellow athon. You know, you want to fucking see 15 on 15 for 80. Hmm. That's what you want. It's what we all deserve. It's what the game deserves. It's what the players deserve, right? Um, but at the end of the day, rules are rules, mate. They didn't make this up on the day. It's been this way for so long. Was he hard done by? you got to think so. He just went for a ball and all tackle, mate, and the slightest movement of the head ends up with shoulder contact, no mitigating factors, see you later, champion. Mm. Someone like Sam Kane, not deserving of that. Mm. Um, uh, and it ruined the spec. It ruined it. To say that it was not as good because of it is just blatantly wrong. Um, a team like South Africa, a team like New Zealand, you take one cat off that field, it's a different ball game, particularly the captain who had such an innings in the semi-final. It was terrible to see. No one to blame. This is how it works. This is the game they want. This is the game us as fans have gotten. There's nothing really to say other than just how disappointing. It is. And I'd love to know your opinion in in terms of the game. Because if you actually look at it, obviously the Kiwis, you know, 60% possession, you know, greater amount of territory. Uh, The Bokis defended, you know, tackled and, Missed a lot of tackles, but tackled their hearts out. Um, you know, was it a case of a missed opportunity? And forget the 14 versus 15 for a moment. And and was it were there too many missed opportunities, clinical moments that the All Blacks didn't take? You know, you think about the uh, it was great cover tackle from um, I can't remember who it was, but you know the the fact is that if uh, if Rico Yuani scores in the corner, you know it's a different game. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it a case of just that the the, the Kiwis? 
weren't didn't quite execute at the you know to their extreme best. You know, if they kick their they kick the penalty, kick the conversion, they also win. Um, are we focusing too much on the on that red card? You know, uh, look. If anything, World Rugby owes New Zealand the New Zealand rugby team a pat on the back, mate. Thanks for being such an epic, outstanding team where you could keep this close with fourteen blokes. Mm. Like without that, people switch off. No, yeah. no, no question. Mm. Um, but it was news. South Africa, sorry, start all the momentum, everything going their way. Definitely the attacking force, controlling, kicking game, territory, contact, breakdown, and mm. you know didn't jump to an outstanding lead as a result. But the momentum did swing, and and like you would have read in the papers this week, it was almost like New Zealand didn't start playing until they had nothing to lose. That's when mm. we saw that lightning offense that they have or attack rather wrong sport (laughs) that they have um that they looked really really threatening and south africa were constantly chasing their tails it's just time got away and you know who's really kicking themselves is a would be sam kane but b you got to think geordie barrett's kicking himself a little bit too 100 and that's the thing like quite rightly and look we feel for sam Kane. like i understand that um whether it was in whatever sport you think about sam kane in this situation and and from my love of football, you think about David Beckham all those years ago in, in France, 98. Um, I hope, and, and rugby and football are very different, you know, in terms of how they're, the, the fans that watch them. But I hope all the pressure doesn't come down on St. Cam because he is, he's never going to forget that, the fact that he got to a World Cup final. Um, and again, England was a quarterfinal in that, in that football World Cup. But the point is that he's never going to forget it. Uh, and it's about trying to not move on, but try and support him through this time because there'll be some horrible humans out there who will try and pin this loss purely on him, uh, which is a shame because it, it it's not. He made a poor decision and I don't even think it was a poor decision. It was just an accident at the time. Yeah, you could have those fans out there that says he just needs to bend to the hit more, etc. But, you know, it wasn't, wasn't malicious, all that kind of stuff. So we hope that his mental health is okay over the next few weeks because um, people are going to come at him and it's a, it's a big thing, you know. And yeah, it'll be tough. Him. Yeah, that that action, you know, it's almost, you know, the sh- what he must be feeling is sort of tantamount to what Phil Wall should be yeah. feeling or Hamish McLennan be feeling with the hiring of Eddie Jones, you know, that one mistake, you know, cost cost him everything in the end, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we will get <laughs> on to Eddie Jones. We will get on to Eddie Jones, but I just want to stick on the rugby for a minute. Like, I'd love to know your opinion because, look, you know my history in regards to Northern Hemisphere rugby. I'm totally okay with a... I come from a country where rugby is loved, you know, not by everyone, but it is loved. And for a game to be 12, 11, it's a thrilling contest to, for it to be won by penalty guys. I'm okay with that because that's, that's, that's rugby. You know, I love the fact that you can uh, win a game in very, in, in a number of different facets in a number of different ways. Uh, but I also know that uh, down here, there's an argument that um, that's not a great way to win. Where do, where do you sit in the camp? Mate, that is high stakes rugby as I've always known it. Yeah. Um, if you took an unders on points scored in the game, it's a sure thing. Mm. No one is looking to play expansive or risky rugby mm. where things can turn and all of a sudden they've got a scrum inside the 22 because that shit's not good for you. Mm. Um, it was always going to be a low scorer, a very risk adverse style of play, and it's exactly what we got. Mm. Uh, and it's it's all I've ever known, and I think they're great. We've had a few encounters like this, you know. Foster was saying, like, we've got to decide what type of rugby do we want to watch. Mm. And, I mean, you got your both styles, but what usually comes out in close encounters in the World Cup to Goliath teams going at it is this 
territory game, mm. which is what sort of makes the game interesting as well. Because when the Lions come down and do their tour, like they're a bit showboaty. It's a completely different spectacle. Mm. You expect heaps different. Super Rugby, when you look at that as a spectacle, it's a completely different style of game. No one's playing this risk adverse to Goliaths. It's all expansive and open and risk taking. If you watch two Kiwi teams play anyway, mm. but um, it, I think that's quite good. I like that about the sport. I know it's interesting because you also have a love for NFL. And look, I'm not saying there are some extremely high level, high scoring games in the NFL, but uh, the nuance of AFL must be surely one of the things that got you to watch it. Now, as much as American culture, but the the nuances it draws you in. It, some you could argue that's the same with rugby. The the nuances of rugby draws it in. Now, maybe not the casual fan, but for, uh, once you start to lo- learn about it. Um, you start to love it, and that's why I fact, the fact is that I hope it doesn't change too much. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of the game, I have to we have to talk about a few individuals. Um, obviously, we've already mentioned, you know, um, Adi Saver and who he he was in within that game, and obviously um, some other players that, that stood out. Who was it for you that from from either team? You know, um, Steph I'll Detroit. Give you, yeah, I was, I was just about to say that he's one that uh, yeah. jumps out. Straight brought the away. house down, mate. Brought the absolute house down. He practically played wing. Didn't he? <laughs> he was unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. He has to be up there in terms of one of the best back rowers in the world. Just And the thing about him, if you remember when he came on the scene, he was like a second rower. Like, you know, the Courtney Stormers, Laws, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah a, bit of a, a bit kind of like the Courtney Law. Started off a second row, gone into a six. And just what a player he has become, you know. And talk about doing the statistics that are doing the hard yards that doesn't come up in the, in the stat book too. Um, just everywhere, just absolutely everywhere. Unbelievable performance from from him. You know um, they've really stuck to their their guns here in the forward pack. Like the names that the that are the stars in that pack now were in and amongst the selections four or five years ago. Like Mostert, Etzebeth's been around forever. Vermeulen's been around forever. Quagga Smith's been around forever. Steph yeah. Toit's no different. Like he's even played sevens. Quagga Smith, doesn't he? Yeah, the That's names that they're picking around. are absolute seasoned, experienced mm. professionals. Yeah, right. And you, you, they're competitive. They're level-headed. Mm. Um, uh, look, it's it's been it really has been a masterstroke. But Steph Toit definitely one of the names that pops up is who planted absolute blinder. You got to hand it to sort of Pollard for doing exactly what they needed him to do. Yeah, like exactly what they yeah. needed him to do. Come in and kick your guys, mate. That's all you need to do. Shovel it across. And I have to say, Dwayne Vermeulen carried the ball. Uh, I thought really well in the game. A couple of clean breaks. I thought he gave a bit of a platform when given the opportunity. But obviously, he didn't have that much of an opportunity because the Kiwis had a lot of the ball. But yeah, Pollard just come in very metronomic in his kicking performance. Did the simple things. Um, whether he continues, you know, moving forward, getting in in their Marnie Labock in there for a bit more, whether they change their style a little bit more, I don't know. But yeah, did the basics really, really well, and um, very impressed with him. Um, and from uh-huh. the key from the Kiwi performance, just there was quite a few of them. Um, you look at that back line, and that's why I was just wondering about whether it was a missed opportunity. Look at the number of runs that Yuani Barrett Talaya had. You know, there was a lot of opportunities, a lot of ball ball in hand. So. Um, there was a number of them who 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 played who played well, but I thought Will Jordan had a bit of a quiet game for it. Yeah, for it. yeah, a bit of a quiet game. He is a counter attack artist mm. and and a line break finisher, which didn't really happen too much. 
you know, the, the moments that come to mind is the chip click that Artie Surveyor didn't get the bounce to. That would have mm. turned the game for sure. Yeah. Look, they tried all this stuff. They definitely came in with a strategy. I thought Aaron Smith had a great game for what will be his last appearance in an all-black jersey, and that needs to be said as well. What a career mm. that dude's had. Yep. Um, magical. What a what a shame that try was disallowed. Oh, yes. yes. What a story that would have been. That would, to get the winning try. And, and I have to say, would you say he has won, if you think about, if you have to build the perfect rugby player, if you think about the qualities of a nine in, re, in regards to not only his attitude, chippiness, but also his pass, uh, his leadership, would you say that he exudes those perfect qualities if you were to build a perfect um, perfect rugby player in terms of pass and leadership? Yeah, sexiest, sexiest pass in the game. There's no two ways about that. Yeah. Uh, that, the things you could do, it's a great pass. Um, but where he's really noticed is vocally at that scrum and ruck time, right? 100%. His his knowledge of the rules and how to play each scenario and has just worked. He, he, do, he does it at the Highlanders very, very well. Does it for the All Blacks very, very well, and I'm sure he'll do it at Japan just as well. Uh, but he's done it. He, man, all these names, they're just done now. They're d- yeah, done. But it's, it's so weird to think about. It is, and you're going to look at that next Kiwi game and you're not going to have Smith in it. You're probably not going to have Retallick on it. You're not going to probably have Whitelock on it. You're not going to have a few others as well. But the problem is it's such a conveyor belt. And the fact is that um, you've just got so much talent coming through that, and you've also got players in key positions that are still going to be there that, that will make the transition reasonably seamless. Um, mm. Plus you've got Razor as the coach. Like how, like how amazing is that to have that kind of guy coming in and starting the next generation? Um, but talking about coaches, I thought it was very classy, the fact that Foster came out and talked about the fact that he hasn't had a job. He hasn't tried to look for a job, whether it was a ruse, whether it's lying, we don't know. But I quite like the fact he said, no, I haven't haven't um, taken any interviews yet, you know, because I thought it was just... That's a stab at Eddie, wasn't it? Absolutely. I loved it. Um, you know, um... One last stab at Australia before you move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good on him. We deserve yeah, it. Jesus, we deserve it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I like that. But also, overall, just final thing on the World Cup final. Congratulations, South Africa. Back-to-back time champions. Um, the hardest route ever in regard. And this is why I hope, you know, yes, the discussion will always be about Sam Kane and the missed opportunities. But to in a tournament, yeah, they lost to Ireland. But uh, to beat England by, uh, by one point, to beat New Zealand by one point, to beat France by one point, you know, in, in a quarterfinal, semifinal, final, that takes balls. That is championship you talk about championship mentality and inner belief that you can do this a complete trust in your systems and your mate um either side of you that's awesome so congratulations to south africa don't me and we'll go down probably south africa's greatest ever team yeah you know there's an argument for that like this is the type of three peak is it a three peak they won the last three now they won the last, no, two. No, last two but they've got they got they got first to four first country to four it means a lot to a man and a lot of bocky people that work in and amongst the family, like everyone got behind him, man. They were they were very, very well supported. Well, not only did they, did they win, obviously, the 2019 World Cup, they then won a Lions series. Then they win back it up with a World Cup in 2023. That is a fantastic run for that South African team. And um, the experience and um, that they're going to lose after this World Cup will be interesting as well. But um, kudos to, you know, fantastic tournament. Uh, for those guys, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how what fifteen trots out, and obviously the rugby championship the next time we see them next year, um, or even in a warm up game. So congratulations to them. Congratulations yeah. must also go to Eddie Jones for finally for, for finally resigning. I think I put in the group 
message. I'm fed up with the circus. I just want this over and done with. Um, I'm so happy Australian rugby can finally start to move forward uh, and become a fantastic, you know, build a better brand and get people jumping on on the bandwagon to support them. Whoever's going to get the job, whether it's uh, uh, McKellar or um, whoever it might be, is is really got a fantastic opportunity to move it, move it because they can't be at any lower than what they are now. And I'm just glad the toxic nature of the Eddie Rain is over. Like I, I can't stress that enough. You? Absolutely. Like now that we can take a step back and just sort of view the thing as it was, is like, is there a better cauldron for drama than professional sports? Oh, absolutely not. No. Is there it, it, the stories, mate, you couldn't write it. Mm. And if you did, no one would believe you. Like just the firing of Rennie the return of the king, the absolute capitulation of the king, the decisions made along the way to take the younglings over to French territory, to have no success. <laughs> the interview, the denial of the interview, the support from the top, the press conference at Randwick saying I'm committed. A week later, all done, absolute villain, wouldn't be able to go anywhere in Australia without a boo. Absolutely, that should be the case. And 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 here we are, just all along for the ride. And you mentioned, you know, what was the nuances of the NFL that drag you to it. You know what's really interesting is all the off-field drama as well. If you really look at it, it's just a spectacle on its whole. Mm. And you could almost sit there and appreciate the drama that's gone on. And and now that you've just come to terms with the loss and you're a shit team and fucking swallow it, we got no choice. Just the schmozzle just the hole that we found ourselves in it's it's been entertaining man has it not it was six months ago nine months ago we're in the studio talking going like never been more excited eddie eddie chanting his name to the fall from grace get out of the country and don't come back like it's just it's it's amazing man it's been a great year it's, do you know what the ebbs and flows the roller coaster ride i remember england playing australia the scg and that guy getting abused and and us on here saying it's disgraceful you know how dare traitor. that guy talk to eddie jones in that way and call him a traitor do you know what i've been at work with blake the last few days i've, I've definitely heard him call him a traitor quite a few times already how old times have changed you no know? yeah um, it's sabotaged it's just where to from here you know it was a ride this year it was a ride everyone talking probably never had more clicks in the years previous rugby union in australia but where to from here? No one gives a shit anymore. And the summer's going to come around. Cricket's going to come around. Like everything's going to change. And then they'll be trying to sell you some Waratahs versus the Western Force at Leichhardt come February. And no one is interested. No, that's the harsh reality of it right now as we sit here. Like we love our rugby. And two things that I'd say. First of all, we always say no publicity is bad publicity. Bad publicity. I'd actually disagree with that right now because if you think about all the publicity that's come about rugby, you know, as a result of Eddie's behaviour is bad. More and more people are being um, turned away. Yes, they're going to be talking about rugby, but they're talking about it in a disparaging fashion, not only within the game, but the organisation, etc. And there's going to be a long way to go and there needs to be a a rebrand of what playing rugby is and what the Wallabies are. If you think about it, to, to compare it to another sport, Ange Postagogli is big at the moment, Australian football coach over in the UK. Watching Spurs was awful for a while. 
Ange has come in and revitalized that club and brought a harmony within it. And whoever's the coach of the Wallabies, because that's who people want to support over there, is to bring harmony and joy back to watching the Wallabies. It's not necessarily about winning, which it is, which is the ludicrous statement, but it's also not. It's about the way you want to play it and the attitude and the mm-hmm. the feeling that comes from that group. Because you're right, right now as we sit here, I want the Waratahs to be Super Rugby champions next year. But right now as I sit here, am I excited to go to Allianz? Not now. Not yet. Now, nah, when absolutely. it comes around... When it comes to February, I might go, oh, yeah, let's get the, let, let's get the, uh, looks, look at the fixtures. Did we got opening weekend? And let's go, okay, it's Brumbies. And then as soon as that's not a great game, I lose my excitement. So whoever is the new Wallaby coach and however that's decided through whatever means, it really does need a rebrand of the whole, the whole Wallabies, not only start. We've been saying this. We've been saying this for years about this shit, particularly at a domestic level. Oh, look, I think Rugby Australia, the worst thing that they could do right now is not be honest in their evaluation of what's going on. And that's a lot harder than it sounds because Mm. some egos need to be chipped, right? Mm. When you look at the decisions made and the responsibility of them and you're not honest with it, you're just putting a Band-Aid or tucking the problem under under the rug. And I'll give you an example, right? Hamish McLennan comes out going, I did what I thought was right for Australian rugby, right? If he rests too hard, on the laurels of that sentiment, we're doomed, mate. Because if he sleeps at night going, I actually, I thought it was the best decision at the time um, and I'm okay with the decision I made as a result, we're, we're doomed because uh-huh. the decision was wrong and you need to own that wrong decision and go look and assess how you ended up thinking that that was the correct decision at the time because you were categorically wrong. There isn't a person in the country who thinks now that that was the right decision. And, and if they're not honest with themselves, if they don't evaluate this World Cup campaign or even further, they look at how they're managing this, that, and the other, and they're not willing to chip egos down and have those tough conversations, we're still doomed, mate. And saying oh. it and doing it are two completely different things, and the whole league operates, the whole competition operates behind this curtain where we're guessing, you know, did that happen? Did that not happen? No one knows for sure. More transparency, more honesty. Like it's the only way out here. Mm. And the thing is, look, you talk about uh, being honest and being reflective. If if it was Hamish McLennan's um, captain's call last time to to employ Eddie Jones, well, let's before we think about who is the individual that's going to be the coach, let's have a think about who is ultimately making the decision. Are we getting are we getting a group of uh, people together to make a collective decision? Like, who is the people making the decision? And what I'm trying to say is, because if Harris McLeod made such a bad mistake last time, he can't, he surely can't make another captain's call again. So, how? What is the means? Are you going to be data driven? A number of uh, sports around the world are now looking at players and coaches from a purely data perspective. Are you going to go down that route to find out who it is? They've said it's going to be Australian, so you're going to look at. Uh, specific features or who's going to decide is it going to be focusing on set piece is it going to be on the fact that you're going to look at continuity about bringing McKellar back you know with a number of Brumbies players what is the what is the approach and look we're never going to know that but I'd love to be on a fly on the wall to find out what what that process is because you're right we need to be reflective they need to be reflective and think about uh, what is the best approach to actually take you know uh, him, him and his position it's a it's a rare position where he's running Rugby Australia, right? Whatever that is, he's in charge of it. But what also comes with that is the managing of player personnel and knowing what good players are good for the sport, like what players are worth investing in, 
Yeah. Right. And and with that, it's not about managing business. That's his forte. I don't know what experience, and I could be showing how dumb I am here, but I don't know what his experience is in running running teams or being a general manager with sporting mm. teams or sporting codes. But if he's going to tap into the the conversation about what players are worth keeping and what players are worth investing in, then he needs to have some form of background or whoever's in this role making that decision, some form of background in managing mm. a team. Mm. Right, being a fan like he's owned up to be as a kid playing rugby in his junior years and then running off and being hedge fund manager and making all this money and then coming back over and trying to run Rugby Australia without real knowledge on what type of players or what a what a what a player with huge potential looks like like it just doesn't seem like it's the right fit and yeah, is man. that what we're seeing right now mm. yes. Mate, yes go go tap go tap some general manager of a soccer team come over no talent no player someone explain the game someone just that that feels like what's missing someone with the general ins of both knowing knowing the game knowing what's required to play the game and then knowing business knowing how to make the big decisions and where to allocate the funds like we need some guru surely they're out there somewhere go find a shoulder and tap on it Mm. Because the thing is, like, is, to your point, he's been in charge of big corporations, but it's the sporting knowledge that you're going to garner. And it's the, to use that phrase that we've already used today, the nuance of sporting organizations and to, to remove ego and to listen to other opinions and to garner as much information you can to inform you completely, I think is a really valuable thing to have. And yeah, you know, he was worked for 10 and worked for other big businesses, but running a sport, being a chairman of a sporting organization is a, a much bigger that's a big thing. job it is a oh yeah thing. and you, you're going to cop some critique as well while you're at it absolutely but you know what in, in in a year's time 12 months time we might be sat here and he might have employed simon ra louis we might have improved mckella he might have employed mckella and all the else the wallabies win i've got a 75 percent win rate and we've gone he's done a great job he's learned for his lessons he's listened to the and he may not have learned anything at all Everything comes down to results, and right now his decision to employ Eddie Jones was a this was an absolute failure, and he just needs to live with that. And as you say, check his ego and make a check decision it. moving forward. Make a decision moving forward because it'll be interesting to see what the next move is. But it can only get better, surely. Oh yeah, we surely can only get better because it's pretty bad. But you know, the real real test now is Super Rugby. Mm. Like you were saying, you got it. Well, I'm very, very interested to see how they're going to market this and where they're going to go from here. Hmm. Uh, look, I, I, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to see uh, because they've also got to do a better job of marketing the women's game. Obviously, there's a big tournament on at the moment in regards to the World 15, the women's World 15 competition at the moment, and the Wallaroos just beat France the other day. Nobody would know about it. You know what? A, that's a fantastic result for for, for the. It Wallaroos. is a good result. Yeah. Uh, France are a fantastic nation, um, rugby nation. So. Uh, look, I think just media manager, if if anyone's out there, I think, they again, need to do a better job. Um, because... What do you think about the players, the, the actual Wallabies? How are they feeling now? Are they motivated to get into preseason? Are they chomping at the bit to get stuck in? Or is there a bit of a, like, depleted feeling in that sort of group? No, do you know what? My my gut would say, and I have, this is not based on absolute anything, um, but I would say there's probably a relief that they just need a break from the game. They're exhausted from everything that's occurred over the last probably six months or even probably three months, you know, in terms of everything that we talked about with Eddie, the ups and downs and the pressures and strains and kept losing. I think they probably just, just need a break and just be like, do you know what? I need three, four weeks off. 
Um, and just Mate, they haven't played for four weeks. No, but <laughs> they came home I, ages ago. You know, I forgot you you lost in the group stage. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, just need a break from rugby just because the the, the pressure cooker effects of, of playing in a major tournament and then the extra layer of pressure on has the coach already had an interview? Does the coach want to be with us? Does the coach even like us? What the fuck does the coach even talking about? Which all one is the coach? That, yeah. All of that coming into play, I just feel like it's just going to add extra layers. And a lot of them will just be like, oh, just a break. I need a break from it for the moment. And then in three weeks' time, four weeks' time, or however long it is, they'll be like, nah, they're athletes. Let's get back out. I love competition. Get back in the gym. Let's go, boys. I'm excited. Yeah. New, co- new coach, come on back. Right now, there's probably this sense of just fatigue and fatigue of everything, not just from playing rugby because they haven't played that much, but fatigue from the situation that, that that's ensued, you know? Yeah. Um, no evidence to support that, but uh, just watching them, they don't look, they didn't look as, again, goes back to that harmony. The new coach has to bring that harmony in, you know, has to bring that collective identity, that collective ethos, you know, that build that agency within the group or efficacy within the group, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I hear you. It'd be interesting to see what happens, but you're right. What that looks like at, at the franchise level, maybe it will be the the breath of fresh air that, uh, yeah. that they'll get going back to the Brumbies, Red Stars, maybe that will revitalize them. And when it comes around to uh, the next internationals, they'll be like, you know what? I'm frothing new coach, mm. new regime. This is, this is exciting. Well, I hope so. You know, I hope so. But what a year it's been. Hmm. It's been a journey. It's probably be our last pod for the year. Would you say so? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think Blake might want to come back on and just spin a yarn about cards, probably at some point, and just say yeah. how he hates cards. Just do uh, a, just do a piece to camera and just upload it or something. Yeah, it's just a great shout actually, and we don't have to listen to it. He can just do it himself. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, love you, Blake. We, he's he's look. It's a shame he's not because he he's very passionate yeah, about it. He's very passionate about it and. Look, the next time we do a podcast, we'll be about to, we might do a, a Q&A, but if it's not, it'll be the next Super Rugby. And we talk about it not being excited at the moment. When it comes to January, every time, we will definitely be excited about it because we do, at the end of the day, we're down at the moment, but we do love our rugby and we'll be excited. Absolutely. And ready to rip in. We've got the Lions and we've got the World Cup here in four years. I ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. Absolutely. And England to build on their third place finish. All right. Thanks, right. mate. Enjoy. Have a good chat, one, mate. mate. Yeah, awesome. you too, mate. And uh, catch you all later, guys. Go the Wallabies.